0: Hi everyone, and welcome to Focus Forward, an executive function podcast where we explore the challenges and celebrate the wins you'll experience as you change your life through working on improving your executive function skills. I'm your host, Hannah Choi. Well, we are almost to the end of the year. Happy New Year, everybody. You guys... Thank you all so much for listening along in 2023. I have to say, I was feeling a little emotional writing this intro. I am just so excited that we made it through another year. We started in 2022, and uh, I think in March of 2022, so that wasn't a full year, and so now we made it through an entire calendar year. I'm just so excited for us, and these uh, podcast episodes are a lot of work, and following through on stuff takes a lot of effort for me and so I'm just really proud of myself for keeping up with it and I have to say that what makes it easier and actually possible is how much logistical and technical and creative support that my teammates Sean Potts and Justice Abbott provide me and the continuous emotional support I get from them because it is scary putting yourself out there and all of the other support I get from my colleagues of mine at uh, Beyond Booksmart. So thank you to everybody. And thank you to you for listening. You guys are amazing. Yeah, just putting yourself out there as a podcast host is super challenging. And so the emotional safety net that you and my colleagues provide is well. I literally could not do this without it, so thank you. We are really looking forward to next year and are really excited about our upcoming episodes. We've got some good ones, and if you have any topics that you'd like me to explore, please let me know. You can email me at podcast at beyondbooksmart.com, and if you've got some free time before the end of the year, could you click put- Could you quickly rate our podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify? Hopefully five stars. And if not, please let me know what we can improve. Today's episode is a conversation I had with three of our coaches, Dr. Marissa Edwards, Ariella Paulson, and Carl Applegren. And they, um, like I said, they're all coaches for Beyond Booksmart. And if you've attended any of our free community education webinars, you might recognize their voices. I was so thrilled they agreed to join me for a Coach Q&A episode where we answer questions that were asked by people who registered for our webinars Today, we tackled managing negative thoughts, the impact of complex medical conditions on our executive functioning, the power of connection and having a strong support network, test anxiety, finding motivation when you're not interested in something, especially classes, and how to to succeed even when you have a teacher who is not supportive of your needs. I really enjoyed talking with these coaches so much, and I really want to do this again. So if you like this format, let me know. All right. Well, we don't need much of an intro than that. So let's get on with the show. Hey guys, thanks so much for joining me. We're recording at night, which is always a little risky for me because I don't do very well at night, but I'm feeling good. I got a lot of sleep last night. So I'm, uh, I'm, um, I'm, I don't know, I'm feeling confident. So hopefully you guys are too. Um, let's see. Why don't you uh, introduce yourselves? Uh, Ariella, you want to go first?
1: Hi, I'm Ariella Paulson and um, I use she, her pronouns and I've been. Um, coaching with Beyond Book Smart for two and a half years now. And um, I have worked with middle school through um, college and even after college adults. Um, and outside of BBS, I teach um, and I've I've mostly taught art, but lots of different subjects. And um, I I work specifically with um, students who have a number of barriers. Um, that make going to public school programs challenging. Um, So a lot of executive functioning challenges, mental health challenges, housing and uh, housing insecurity, that kind of thing. So um, yeah.
2: Great. Thanks for being here. And Marissa, you're next. Hi, everybody. Um, I'm Dr. Marissa Edwards. Um, I'm a therapist here in the DMV area. Um, I specialize in clinical health psychology um, full-time, but here at BBS, I work as an executive function coach um, and now as a mental health executive function consultant. Um, Most of the clients I work with are adults or college-age students um, who are struggling with both mental health and executive function challenges, um, as well as some health concerns and health um, disorders as well. Um, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having
0: me. Yeah. and Carl.
3: Hey everybody. Um, thanks for having me. So my name is Carl Applegren. I'm an executive function coach um, and also an executive function consultant um, for Beyond Book Smart. Um, I'm joining us um, here from Brooklyn, New York. And outside of Beyond Book Smart, I am a guidance counselor for New York City Public Schools. So um, yeah, I've worked with a bunch of students um, at the moment in elementary school, but I've worked in alternative high schools, middle schools, um, kind of run the gamut, um, both as you know a support um, and an ally and mentor, but also as an instructional provider. So I remember when I first started working with young people teaching swimming, uh, so I love that. So it's nice to you know be able to teach swimming and and, you know that recreational stuff, but uh, definitely love help getting people unstuck. I think that's definitely a a passion of mine to find a a way out of Mm. the vicious cycle that we're in.
0: I love that. Yes. Feeling stuck is never good. Well, I asked Carl and Marissa and Ariella to join me because, um, we get so much feedback after our webinars that people really love the, um, question and answer that we do at the end. And so I thought it would be really cool to do an entire, um, episode, just question and answer. like So what we did was we looked through all the questions that have been asked uh, after um, the last webinar that we did, which Ariella and Marissa participated in um, <clears throat> with another uh, one of our colleagues, Bob Grunfest. And um, and we took the questions from that webinar, which was all about managing failure, and, um, and just brought some of those questions into today. And you may recognize Carl's voice if you joined us uh, from before um, when we did our webinar on <laughs> what one did you do? Uh, oh, uh, I'm not sure motivation, motivation,
3: maybe, maybe yeah. motivation. <laughs> sure, it was motivation. I think it was motivation.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah that's my ADHD and my working memory. I was like, not great. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah. So thank you for coming tonight, you guys. It's uh, it's really great to be here with you. So let's dive in. Um, uh, oh, and then for anyone who li- who is listening who doesn't know about me, I coach... Uh, mostly college and high, uh, not high school, college and adults. And tonight we're going to be tackling some questions uh, all ages, mostly uh, older kids and college. Um, But all of the suggestions that we make tonight and all of the kind of strategies and tips and tools that we might bring up really can be used by pretty much anybody. Um, And you might hear us say like how you might be able to modify something for different ages. uh, But for For the most part, I would say that, you know, executive function skills challenge everybody at all ages. And most of the strategies that, that we use really can be used by anybody. So, all right. Let's see. First up. Oh, okay. How do you address constant negative thoughts or opinions about yourself, even though you are already very capable? Yep. That's a challenging one that kind of like can impact all areas of our lives?
2: Absolutely. I think for a lot of folks, um, executive function takes away confidence, um, challenges with executive function, and um, it makes it harder for us to remember who we are, the things that we're capable of, and the things that we do. Um, and I tell people all the time, anxiety never tells us good things, right? Like they never, our negative thoughts always come in. Usually they're not helpful. Usually they're the things that we don't like about ourselves or are fearful of ourselves. And so um, as a therapist, obviously, I, I would love to recommend something like a cognitive behavior therapy or something along the lines of uh, restructuring your thoughts or being great, learning more about mindfulness of your thoughts so that you're able to challenge them in the moment, um, using things like positive self-talk or more helpful self-talk, um, thinking about the reality of the situation and fact-checking um, if you're having some difficulties or if you're always having negative thoughts, um, having people help to validate you or um, making gratitude lists, or there's there's so many ways that we can um, help to challenge those thoughts, even if we know that we're confident because we know how executive um, dysfunction can make it really, really hard to stay confident in ourselves.
1: I love that. And I also think about like practices that can, um, you know, if we think of like the parts of our brain that get used the most are the ones that are going to be strongest. And so if we're constantly stuck in those negative feedback loops that's going to be really strong. And so building up the muscles, so to speak of the positive practices. So you mentioned like gratitude lists. So thinking about, you know, it could be self gratitude lists of like things I did well this week, bright spots that I want to highlight and getting into a practice of every night before I go to bed, I list two or three things that I did well, um, or whatever timing makes sense for you. If every night is a lot, um, and, and to, to just build up those muscles as well. Um, and, and Yeah. Bringing it into to everyday and and then having that um you said like you know looking at like the data of uh, fact checking I believe you said so having that data in front of you of like oh I wrote this down every night for a week and now I have all these examples of what I really can do
0: well I love that I do I use that a lot for myself uh, and I because I I I I do struggle with confidence and feeling like I'm able to do anything sometimes and uh one thing that i've been working on this whole year this kind of um i this my mm, theme for 2023 was trust and trusting myself and so much of i realized so much of my own um lack of confidence came from not trusting myself and as soon as i started writing down the thing that I was worried about or the thing that I felt like I was not capable at, and then the outcome of how that, that actually went, I was able to see, oh, like I thought that this was going to go badly and then it went well. So here's more evidence that I can trust myself. Um, and, and then I would also write down what I did to set myself up for success, like what I did to, you know, address the things that I was worried about. Um, and that has made a huge difference for me. And I, I've i noticed like I haven't had to write as many things down, because I'm, I'm trusting myself more.
3: Yeah, that, that's a great one, Hannah. Uh, I was just about to say something about writing things down. I feel like all of these negative thoughts belong somewhere. Um, but just not swimming in our minds, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So if they're there somewhere, um, you know, write them down, get them out. Um, and I probably like writing them down. Um, there's nothing wrong with sharing it with someone else. But you know, sometimes they might either talk you out of it or kind of confirm, yeah, you are pretty bad at whatever it is that you're complaining about. <laughs> um, so that it might make you feel worse. But um, yeah, if you put them down, you can kind of monitor like not only how frequent or how often um, these things keep coming up, and hopefully they reduce, but also, um, you know, if you have Uh, another trusted source or some of the, you know, provider that you're working with, you can certainly bring and share it with them so that you can kind of go through and say, you know, I've had this, you know, repetitive thought or concern or, you know, negative feedback about myself that I keep saying, how do we kind of work on developing and strengthening it um, so that it doesn't stay swimming in our minds? Um, Because it can start to show up at other places too. So if it's something at work, for example, it can start showing up in our personal lives. And then, um, you know, then it kind of just follows us like a haunted ghost and we don't want those ghosts.
0: I was talking with just, a client about this, and um, and he was saying that w- one thing that happened for him when he started journaling was that he would write for too long, and then kind of spiral while he was writing. So he sets a timer, and he can only write for how I'm not sure how long he sets a timer for, but he can only write for that amount of time, which I think is helpful.
1: I was just picturing like a um. As part of your practice, like writing down the negative things you want to get out and then doing something cathartic, like tearing up that piece Ooh. of paper, crumpling it and throwing away, and then writing the positives to like retrain that pattern.
0: I love that. <laughs> Burn it. <laughs> <laughs> Jump up and down on it. I love it. <laughs> All right. Thank you. That was great. Okay. Uh, let's see. <clears throat> how can we motivate kids with complex medical conditions? Or maybe we can address that more generally. Like, how do you, what are some suggestions for supporting kids or maybe even ourselves if we have complex medical conditions? Because having something going on medically is absolutely going to impact your executive function skills, whether it's directly because of the medical condition or it's because of the stress or just the complexity of life with a medical condition. So what are some things that people can do to support themselves or their kids?
1: Yeah, I think this is a very multifaceted question. Um, And I, I, this ties in with my own experience. I've had multiple complex medical conditions since I was born. So um, I think that was part of what brought me to being an executive function coach, because it's so crucial in my ability to function in life with complex medical conditions. And I think that a lot of, a lot of it can come down to um, balancing that want for Motivation and support, and that kind of thing, with also uh, the need for acceptance and validation, and just being okay with wherever you're at in that moment and recognizing that it will constantly change and constantly be in flux. Um, and getting rid of shame, getting rid of the feeling of I should, but I can't right now. Um, and um, yeah, just being really okay with yourself about that, and you know, telling your family members that you are okay with wherever they are in this moment and that it's okay and that these are huge challenges that um you know that if they're doing anything during that that they're doing something right. Um and I think that what we often don't recognize is how mentally exhausting it is to be chronically ill and having to Argue with insurance companies and having to communicate with doctors and having to express really complex things that we know and feel in our minds and bodies that maybe our providers are not on board with and just all of that constant self assessment and communication and it's using up all of that part of our brain that it's needed for executive functioning and sometimes we just don't have anything left for school or work or family or things like that and so you know making that time and space for rest and again like looking to those bright spots of what did i already do right and you know congratulating yourself for having made it through that doctor's appointment or for remembering to take your meds every day that week um and and yeah just giving space for it's okay where you're at and and you know and that um and and i think the one other thing that um i've seen time and time again, because I one of the populations that I work with is people with um, specifically with connective tissue disorders, and um, that can come with a whole slew of issues, it causes brain fog and cognitive dysfunction that waxes and wanes. And so setting up during those periods where you're doing a little better, often we get these almost manic periods where it's like, I feel normal today, I have all this energy, my brain is clear, I'm going to do everything, I'm going to get ahead on my work, I'm going to clean the house. And realizing that, If you do all of those things, then you will likely crash the next day. Um, And so giving yourself that space to like do some of it and and utilize that boost, but also um, giving space for, um, I don't have to do it all today and I can still rest on good days so that I have more good days in the future. Um, But using those good days when your brain's really on board to do that mental work of what structures do I need to have in place so that I don't have to think too hard on tough days Um, and so really practicing those routines making lists for yourself um, enlisting support from other people when you're in a headspace where you can think and communicate clearly that kind of thing so that um so that yeah you can really just coast on those other days when just nothing's gonna happen otherwise
0: I'd like to add a little bit as the partner of someone with a medical condition, um, my husband um, has is in remission right now, but for many years, he has a form of um, arthritis that, so he was just in chronic pain all the time and a lot of brain fog and still working. This was when our kids were little and he was our only source of income. And uh, it was really, really difficult for him, obviously, and also as his partner. And so you're, as a partner, your own executive function skills are absolutely taxed because it's extremely stressful supporting someone who is in chronic pain and whatever else you have going on in your life, like two little kids or maybe you're working full time yourself, um, and so just like you said, Ariella, just like having giving yourself space for rest and grace for when on the days that you can't get everything done and and just sometimes the house is gonna be trashed and sometimes you're just gonna have to do takeout or you know whatever whatever um, whatever you need to do for yourself to make it a little bit easier. but it's just to not be surprised if your executive function skills are being, Negatively impacted because they are impacted by stress. We can't access the front part of our brain when when our um, when our basically our reptilian brain, our survival, our survival brain is is on and help literally just helping us survive this stressful time. Especially if you are in pain, it's going to take you right back there. Um, or if you're you know supporting someone in that um, in that, so yeah that's rough.
2: And just to kind of piggyback off of what you all are saying, I feel like there really is this like bi-directional relationship between health and executive function. And just a simple example is if I can't remember to make take my meds, my health is going to get worse. And if I, my health is worse, then I'm not going to remember to take my meds and vice versa. Um, and so I think being realistic about how the executive function impacts the health, what that looks like. Um, Ariella, like you mentioned on some days where it almost feels manic because everything feels great for the first time in two weeks versus what it looks like when I'm having a rough day. Um, I like to think of them as capacity check-ins and really having a, what is my check-in? What is my capacity for today? Can I, what can I manage? What can I manage? What do I need to delegate versus what might be something that I can uh, rest in or relax in? And so having those moments of checking in and having support to say, hey, you don't have to feel super motivated to do everything right now because your capacity is at a 50. And so what are the things I can do at 50 well, as opposed to trying to do something at 100 and and poor health. And so thinking about what those capacity check-ins will look like and really trying to figure out what are some of the things, um, how the health is impacting the executive function for them at any given point to say, is it that you're not able to feed yourself? Is it that you're not motivated to get up and do the things that would be helpful um, versus is it a confidence thing? And so trying to decide and help decipher what that looks like.
3: These are all such amazing answers. I'm like, in all this listening, i being like, wow, I could learn a bunch from here. Um, so part of me is like, <clears throat> as I'm hearing this question, I'm like, my heart is broken right um just because it's i can only imagine walking in the doctor's office and getting a receiving a diagnosis either for yourself or from a loved one and just being like where do i even begin my whole life is just like stopped at this moment um and then the second part is just like as i'm listening thinking about like okay now treatment and then what that looks like and how many like nameless people you have to kind of go through and how many doors how many visits how many moments where you're like holding your breath as a result like are we there yet do we turn the corner is it worse is it getting better like now i'm just and then you got to pay for it like now i'm just mad you know so it's like i'm heartbroken and mad at the same time um but that doesn't help the answer to the question that's just my personal feelings in this moment um so what i would just add to all the wonderful really thoughtful caring answers is just like being able to um you know take time for yourself so if you're the carer the person like you need to be in the best possible position whatever that might mean to be able to respond to anything right so like well fed well slept well rested whatever that means please be that and take that for you um to find a team to have a team to you know create if you don't have one um some kind of support whether that's family friends um even just a routine that can keep you sane and you know happy and comfortable um because if you're taxed out and tapped out too then you know we can't do any good to anybody right or provide or give you know import from an empty well or empty uh, pitcher. so um yeah just being able to recognize like there's so many factors that are you know out of our control and that you know even if we don't have a medical condition like our lives are finite you know we we are limited unfortunately our time on earth so being able to kind of enjoy the moment being able to set you know, routines and times and celebrate those wins, whether it be small or big, to hug your little ones tight, to, you know, go visit family, reach out to friends you haven't spoken to for a while, just to say, hey, I'm thinking about you. Um, Those are things we should do regardless of whether or not we have a complex medical condition, um, because tomorrow is not promised, unfortunately. Um, But what is promised is, you know, the option of choice. Um, we'll certainly I believe that. So make choices that help you and help you feel good. and make choices to be together rather than to be alone, including and especially when you're going through something, it's really important that you speak up. Oh,
0: you're bringing tears to my eyes, Carl. I just listened <laughs> to a podcast, um, The Happiness Lab, and she interviewed a man who, um, I don't remember his name because I don't remember anything like that, but um she interviewed a man who is really fighting for and the cause of not the cause, but he's really uh, fighting for people recognizing the importance of staying connected with friends and family, and to just send a text that that tells someone that you're thinking about them. So in so the man was sharing his story about this really huge thing that happened to him. And he had gone into a deep depression and he was, he had just reached the point where he did not feel like he could go on. And he had made plans to end his life. And in that moment, he got a text from a friend that he hadn't heard from in a long time. And she asked if he wanted to go to the pub. And he realized in that moment, if she was asking him to go to the pub, that meant she needed him. Mm. And then he realized he needed her. And so he went to the pub and in that one word text, all she wrote was pub with a question mark. It saved his life because he connected with her. He felt needed. He was able to provide something for her. She provided something for him. And so that's why just thinking about that story, Carl, is what, just what you said, just resonated with me so much after hearing that recently. Like how important it is to to have some kind of support network, whatever that looks like, it's going to look different for everybody. And so all of these executive function challenges, regardless of the cause of them, find your people, find your support and put effort into making that support network stronger, whatever that is. Maybe you just send a quick text to someone that just says hi or, you know, pub or (laughs) want to go out or whatever. Yeah, it's just obviously it's a life-saving thing.
1: With complex medical conditions too, it can be really isolating. And I think because it's something we don't talk about a lot in society that we assume we're the only ones going through it. And if you look at the statistics, it's actually about like a quarter of the population is experiencing it. And so I think that concept of like reaching out and finding community, specifically other people who are experiencing similar things or caregivers of people experiencing similar things can make such a huge difference to feel like, Oh, I'm not alone. Everyone's facing these challenges and uh, yeah, finding that solidarity. And also again, just recognizing the mental health implications of these things and like, you know, seeking whatever support that looks like for you, whether it's therapy or, you know, uh, you know, just being really mindful of your mental health and how it's connected to your physical health and your executive functioning and all of that.
0: Oh, it's so true. Like, as you were talking earlier, Ariella, and sharing a little bit about your experience, I was sitting here thinking, should I share my experience? Like, should I talk about it? And then as I was talking, I was thinking, oh my gosh, like I'm I'm oversharing. Like, they don't need to know what his diagnosis was. But then I was thinking, wait, the point of this podcast is to talk about stuff that people might be, people need to hear. So I'm glad I said it. <laughs>
3: Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm glad you said it too. I mean, I think that, you know, that's perhaps the other, you know, hidden thing. Especially, you know, coming back to executive function challenges, that, you know, a parent might look at their child and be like, oh no, what am I gonna, you know, tell my friend circle when I meet up at, for coffee or whatever, or, you know, all the the soccer, um, the family and you know we're we're gonna get together. There, my child's a soccer star, but please don't ask any questions about the report card. You know, like you know, how do we kind of recognize that, um, you know, we all struggle with stuff. Being able to share that struggle probably makes us stronger rather than makes us feel like, you know, weaker or whatever. Um, And that there's help available, right? We don't live on islands. Well, I guess some people do, but uh, the the help, so to speak, is not so isolated and so unavailable. Um, You know, thank you, you know, to the internet. I mean, that's made it, you know, for for a lot of reasons, made it easier to connect in some ways and certainly easier to access information that may have been isolated or very difficult to get. So um, being able to kind of be honest and be like, okay, take a deep breath, like we have the situation we have to deal with, um, how do I start doing a Google search? What do I do? And where do I find the information and the people and get connected to them so that I can get, get the care that I need.
2: And I also realized that at some level, when you're in college and things change, um, relationships also change and dynamics change, their level of support changes, um, and executive function can also impact that. So if I can't remember to email people or text people or even reach out to parents, um, a lot of times relationships fail or you know don't look the same as they might have in the past, which then leads to those feelings of isolation or make you feel makes you feel that no one else is understanding. And so, even if that means, I know that sounds insane to say, but thinking of a routine for reaching out to people is super helpful. I text my best friend every Monday and Wednesday um, because the rest of the time we might forget. And so having a schedule for that is really important. And um, like I said, I think that's another thing I hear a lot from clients is that I've lost friends. I forget to text people back. I don't ever answer the phone. And they feel very isolated. And even if they have friends who might struggle with executive function, they feel very alone because of the lack of ability or the perceived lack of ability to maintain those relationships. And so helping them to find community and, and also learn how to sustain community in a way that feels helpful for them um, can be helpful as well.
0: Something that, um that he would, that, that man was saying in the podcast was that uh, people are are often afraid to reach out because they're afraid they're going to bother the person that they're reaching out to. And they've done studies, they've done a bunch of research that has found that you're wrong. They are not going to be bothered. Um, Like way more times than not, they're thrilled to hear from you. Um, And then if you don't hear back from them, don't take it personally. Probably has nothing to do with you. They're probably just overwhelmed themselves, (laughs) like still trying to find their own way. But um, I just thought that that was really important to remember that, yeah.
2: And it's also interesting because, like you mentioned, a lot of times that's a negative thought or even a cognitive distortion that we have that I'm I'm a bother or yeah. that I'm you know I'm I'm a burden or what have you. Um, I actually had a friend recently who said that she's like I didn't want to reach out. I felt like I was going to be a burden. And I said, well, you you never reached out, so you never even got the chance to be the burden. And you weren't. You're never a burden as a friend. So always reaching out, knowing that people are going to be there for you, because that's what. Your support system is there for and so giving them the opportunity to be your support um, can be really helpful. Yeah
1: hmm. that vulnerability with somebody um the more often than not creates like a sigh in them of like, oh, I'm allowed to be vulnerable with you. And hmm. so it really has the opposite effect of what I always expect it to be of, you know, I'm so nervous to bring something, and then they're like so grateful because it's just given them an opportunity to <laughs> share with me something yes. that they've been clinging to. Yeah. Oh,
0: I actually, um, After I heard that podcast episode, I reached out to two friends that I was very close with when I lived in California, and they both wrote me back, and I didn't have time to write back to them again um, for about three days. And I felt kind of guilty about that, and it was kind of weighing on me that they had taken the time to write to me, and then I couldn't get my act together to write back And so finally one night at 1130 at night, I was up way too late. I had no business being up still. I decided to text them. They're on the East coast. I mean, on the West coast. So the time change was in my favor. And one of them texted me back with a picture of the two of them together. And they were both out to dinner together in that moment. And then we FaceTimed and I hadn't talked with them since before the pandemic. And it, and I thought, well, if I hadn't heard that podcast and if I had not waited those three days, like it all just fell into place. So reach out, people reach out. <laughs> all right, let's do another one. Okay. My child is always very anxious and stressed. Ooh, these questions are hard. This is good stuff for us to talk about. My child is always very anxious and stressed before every exam, and it causes her headaches, tremors of her hands, et cetera. And she always feels lazy after her paper. How can I help her?
1: There are so many aspects of this question as well that I'm, my brain is wanting to address them all at once. Um, I think that um, that anxiety can come from a number of different places. And so again, like treating the anxiety as its own thing and thinking of what care or what practices can help with that anxiety whether it's um you know meditation breathing exercises therapy all kinds of things can help with that exercise um and you know treating that as its own set of symptoms and kind of what do we do with that but also looking at what what thought patterns and what you know uh family dynamics or school dynamics or whatever might be contributing and so thinking about like what is the response to failure, first of all, of like, you know, like, why is this, why is this child so nervous about the test? Is it, you know, like, what, what is the fear of what if it goes wrong? Um, And having conversations around that and just showing love and support and, you know, helping them through that experience. Um, And also, you know, looking for strategies to use before a test. So um, I had a lot of test anxiety growing up. Um, and part of it was because uh it turned out that, you know, I didn't have a diagnosis yet at that time, but my my illnesses would be triggered by the, you know, just kind of the uptick in adrenaline before a test. And so I'd be feeling physically very unwell. So thinking about like, um, you know, what are things you can do before a test to help regulate? Um, so for me, a lot of it was meditation, breathing, making sure I had a snack right beforehand so I wasn't hungry, like that kind of thing. Um, and again, if you're getting headaches and tremors, that can be anxiety. And that can also be like, you know, stuff going on in your body, um, that might be triggered by the stress. Um, and also, um, yeah, just like having some kind of debrief after test to be like, it's okay. It will be okay. Um, to reinforce that experience with something positive afterwards and really talking through, Hey, what did you do to study? Like, that's, let's honor that regardless of what the grade is, like, let's honor and validate that you worked really hard for this. And, and again, any, you know, the, the more confident and the more work you can put in before a test, the more you can at least feel like I did what I could and I accept whatever happens. And so helping them with study techniques and test taking techniques can help a lot with that confidence as well.
0: I had a client who um, also had some test anxiety and uh, her test grades never reflected, ever reflected how much she knew. And so my, so we went through a lot of that, you know, like breathing beforehand. And then the other thing that um, I suggested uh, was to like, look over the test and kind of orient herself to the test. But it turned out that that actually made her more anxious. And so for her not looking through the test and just working through it one by one without knowing what was coming actually worked a lot better. And so my point is that, the strategies that maybe might work for some people might not work for your daughter um, or for you. And so to just keep that in mind, that if something doesn't work, then to maybe try something different a little bit outside the box.
2: One of the things I really resonate with here is the somatic piece and how um, Ariella, like you mentioned, the anxiety tends to play on the somatic symptoms, which then probably feed back into that anxiety and that that cyclical loop makes it really hard to be able to focus or um, you know show the the knowledge that you have and so one of the things I try to help people do is to learn to manage the somatic symptoms first even before we're challenging the thoughts or even before, We're going because our thought processes have probably been the way they have for a a long time, um, which doesn't mean that we can't change them. It just means that a lot of times in the moment, we might not know how to we haven't practiced it enough to challenge our thoughts or to feel super comfortable. But one of the things you can do is help to engage that parasympathetic nervous system and learn how to take those deep breaths so that I'm able to focus and breathe and uh regulate myself so that we are able to go and then challenge our thoughts and do some things along that the lines. Um, and I always encourage parents to try some of these skills with kids and model it um, when you're anxious, when you're overwhelmed, when you're feeling worried about uh, anything. I'm um, obviously you know we don't have to share all of our anxieties with our children, but um modeling the fact that when I'm overwhelmed, this is how I regulate myself, or let's do this together so we can practice together can be a really good way to help her to be able to regulate um, some of those somatic symptoms as well as um, that anxiety that might be happening.
0: All right. <clears throat> let's see. Let's. I think we have time for one or two more um all right my child is doing really well in some classes and poorly in others that she doesn't care about what can i do to support her that's that's tricky i had a um a, a student that i worked with for many years who uh really really struggled with that and It was really difficult for her to put effort into classes that she felt like she wasn't going to need and she wasn't going to, um, you know, ever use again. So I did a lot of work on helping her see how, yeah, maybe she's not going to use whatever the math or something, but trying to help her see the other things that she's learning. It's a stretch. It's definitely a stretch. I admit it. Um, But sometimes it can help. Uh, reframe it. Like, okay, it's a math class. You're learning math, but what else are you learning? And how can you use those skills in other areas of your life that have nothing to do with school? So that helped a little bit.
1: Also um, had some success with kids um, like gamifying it. So be like, okay, you're not super interested in this content. All right. Let's come up with a cool game that Every time the teacher brings up this type of topic, like you do something fun with it or, um, you know, doing something to help them engage during class or, um, you know, using a reward system of like, OK, every time you complete a homework assignment for that, like we throw a mini dance party <laughs> or, you know, something that will get them feeling excited. So it's like we we acknowledge and accept that this topic might not be interesting to you right now in your life. And that's okay. And there's no shame in that. Let's find some other way to make it fun. Um, and, or finding like a cool documentary about the topic that like might pique some interest or helping them find like their own little side thing to like, get excited about that's tangentially related or be like, Hey, you, you know, I have one kid who likes to draw and likes to draw specifically cartoon characters. So we had we had them um, create like a little graphic novel over the course of the semester of like, you know, funny things that went on in class or interesting tidbits that they learned and like turning it into like each day they'd make a page of a comic of like the, the those two cool little moments in class and then having like a book of it at the end of the year. Um, so different things like that. And um I think also um uh yeah, and there's my brain fog for you. I did have another idea and it'll come to me in 20 minutes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yep. Sometimes. We may be executive function coaches, but we are also human.
1: <laughs> We're here for a reason, also, some <laughs> <That's> of us. <laughs> <right>.
0: <laughs> yep.
3: Absolutely. I was just gonna add that. Um yeah, for some students, especially um, high schoolers, I'm like, yeah, you know what's worse than doing your math class, repeating it next semester? Ah! Or it the summer. <laughs> I love it. So, yeah, I mean, I you know I have to be careful using that because um, yeah. you know the relationship and also like how and when and you know what's exactly the struggle. But yeah, yeah for I mean, there are just like there's foods and you know vegetables and stuff that we don't like to eat or things we don't like to do for perhaps you know exercise or we. We, we know we have a gym membership that we don't use every month or whatever it might be, whatever the our vice is, so to speak, that makes it difficult, um, you know, our young people have similar challenges. So um, for us to kind of recognize, one, that, you know, it's a real thing. We don't always love every subject we study. And uh, and many of those decisions are like at the state level, right? The state says that, uh, you know, you have to do X amount of credits in math and, you know, at certain levels and for certain hours and the school has policies and the district. So these are all like, people making decisions in a room far away from the school um but anyway when we have to survive school or have to be able to navigate you know to graduate um we have to be able to kind of do things and recognize and put things in perspective right like um if we don't you know the consequences for not passing or not um being able to function or worse um taking risks and cutting class um means that you know the likelihood of you passing an exam or you know, being able to fulfill that requirement um, for the lab for example or a science class just might not happen um, and that's you know sometimes the, the outcome uh, can be one that can motivate a student. Um, I, I also like to think too like everybody is motivated by different things. Not everybody wants to chase that shiny thing on top of the hill. Some people are motivated you know by things that are um, you know what's the consequences right. If you don't do this like you won't have access to your phone or you won't have you know these kind of I guess more punitive things. But the truth is that, you know, if I don't pay my light bill, you know, as much as I might smile at my provider and be like, oh, hey, could you just, you know, keep it up one more week, one more month, they're, they're going to turn my light off and I'll be sitting here in the dark. So sometimes there's natural consequences that occur if we don't, you know, organize ourselves or at least accept some kind of help, even if we are kind of faking or muddling our way through it. So, um, you know, hopefully that can be there's some way where your young person can be uh, motivated um, to do the things, including the ones that they really, really, really don't like to do
1: thought um that i i often will have students who say oh i just don't like that class and then after a while if you do some digging it turns out they are uncomfortable with something to do with the teacher mm-hmm. they are afraid of the topic i math comes up a lot and uh, kids will say oh i just don't like math but if you explain to them about how our prefrontal cortex That it is required to do math and your prefrontal cortex also doesn't work well when you're stressed. And so we end up with this math loop of year after year going into math class, feeling stressed, and then not understanding the content because that part of your brain cannot compute math when you're stressed. All of a sudden they go, Oh, is that why I hate math? And (laughs) it turns out it's not about the topic. It's about a barrier, whether cognitive or socially, maybe there's kids in that class that pick on them. So finding, you know, Sometimes it is just they find it really boring and that's fine too. But doing a little bit of digging of, is there a barrier going on that we could work through or eliminate? Um, you know, sometimes it's there's something? you know, I had one student who the teacher was misgendering them every single day. So a simple conversation with the teacher being like, yo, my child uses they, them pronouns. They're not going to get anything out of your class if you're using she, her. Um, and then the teacher was like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know. And all of a sudden the class is suddenly more interesting. (laughs) So I think it's worth doing that digging sometimes as well.
0: Absolutely. So Carl has to leave in a couple of minutes to go meet with a client. So I wanted to, um, uh, answer one more and thank Carl for joining us. Um, so Carl, feel free to, uh, step out as soon as you need to.
3: Yeah,
0: no worries. All right. Last one. This is kind of similar, a little bit similar to what we were just talking about, dives a little deeper. My daughter has a seventh grade teacher who is very rigid and has clearly decided my daughter doesn't put in effort. She feels, my daughter feels quite defeated by him. And it doesn't help that he teaches her least favorite subject math. (laughs) Any advice for her to work around a teacher that is not interested in helping her overcome her EF challenges?
3: Yeah, this is a tough one. And I, my heart really goes out for your daughter. Um, And I'm also frustrated because, you know, I consider myself an educator and, um, you know, our job is about service. So it's like, how is this teacher serving, right? As a public, you know, figure, how are they serving, you know, this young person and, Giving her the skills that she needs to be able to not only pass this math class, but also hopefully set herself up for future success. Um, I, I'm often, you know, surprised and dumbfounded by a teacher. You're supposed to be the math teacher or the science teacher, or whatever, but you're also teaching like poor interpersonal and modeling poor interpersonal skills. Like you're not, you're yeah. not doing a very good job. You're teaching, <laughs> you're teaching other subjects, extracurricular activities that are not necessary and and just make it harder. Um, you know I'm just thinking about a student I have currently that um uh you know the teacher insists on doing things a very particular way and is not flexible by any means and that other very particular way happens to be hoops and this and Bob and weave and do all this other remmarole it's just it's overwhelming so um yeah it's, it's a lot I mean part of me wants to say like you know does your your child um have somebody at school that they trust that they can confide in um, you know do they have a guidance counselor somebody a social worker somebody at the school that they can kind of talk to and put feelings you know to, to these experiences um, the other piece is you know to have a meeting um, you know if you as a parent feel comfortable to kind of you know ask the teacher for a meeting that might be great and that might be helpful um, but certainly the administration of the school um only because i think that when i hear stories like this i often think of it's the style of the teacher or the rigidity of the class and how it's set up, it's probably not just your child alone that's experiencing this, it's probably others. And, uh, you know, if you're the brave one, you know, you might be the one to start the chain of, you know, um, events that might come about making some kind of positive change. Sometimes teachers, especially, and I don't want to say this about newer teachers, but sometimes there's this fear that locks teachers into very rigid patterns of behavior because they don't want to quote unquote lose control of the class right so they're fearful of looking like they're doing a poor job or they're not on time and they're not structured and they're not all these things and they're so busy on focusing and not being all these terrible you know things that they actually become super rigid and super not what they came to do which is to educate young people and probably have fun and enjoy themselves and enjoy the spirit of learning i don't think anybody does well like learning when they're uncomfortable but unfortunately sometimes that's what teachers can create you know so um yeah having meetings having open honest discussions and having them before report cards come out um because i think that you want to get ahead of what might also come across as like what you're saying which is my child doesn't put in effort well again as an educator i have to work every single angle to get the best of my students um i can't just be like well i read them the text and they should have just absorbed it and you know Gave me the facts and figures. Like it's a lot more complex today. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I love your teacher. I'm glad that they have structure, but I, <laughs> I would hope that there is some kind of bend and a, a way to kind of recognize that if they lose your daughter, um, they're going to not only lose your daughters. they're going to lose a bunch of other um, kids, young people too. And um, you know, it's not going to do that teacher any good, but it's certainly not going to do the class any good. So getting help and speaking on it early, I think, is also positive. Um, you know, the other quick thing I'll say too about, um, you know, young people is that they learn very quickly and can, it's almost like they have a sixth sense. Who really is on my team? Who really cares about me and who doesn't? Like, I don't know what it is about young people, but they they can, it's almost like they have a sixth sense, but they can tell like who's about and who's not. And uh, I would hate for your daughter to learn that that teacher or other teachers or other adults are out there that have that intention or don't really care. Um, so that when they encounter future adults that are in, in authority figures uh, or sorry, positions of authority, that they um, you know, feel like they just can't turn and ask for help. Like they should and they, you know, can, but um, we just need to make sure that the adults um kind of understand and recognize the impact that they're making, whether intentional or unintentional.
0: Great. Thank you, Carl. I just have anything you want to add?
1: Yeah, I guess just that metacognition piece of like helping your your kid understand their own brain and talking about, you know, that prefrontal cortex and how it's not it you know, it's it makes sense that it isn't picking up things quickly if you're going in stressed um to this class specifically with math and so, you know, like helping them to I think that that knowledge can help kids to go in with a slightly more open mind or to focus on those relaxation techniques before going into math class or doing math homework. Um, And, you know, maybe finding a friend who they have fun with who is learning, even if they're not in the same math class, if they're learning similar stuff to do math homework with trying to make it social and fun. Um, Or if they have a previous math teacher that they did find a connection with, like going to them for help um, outside of class can sometimes be helpful and does sometimes, if, you know, if the other teacher finds out that they are asking for help elsewhere, that can send a message as well, especially if you communicate like, yes, my child is really trying, but is not feeling supported in class. And then, you know, going elsewhere. Um, so those things can help a little bit, but it, it is a really, it is a really challenging situation.
2: Yeah. I really like the idea of, um, like you said, recognizing what is needed in the moment and really um, reaching out, whether it's reaching out to other teachers. I don't think most teachers would love that, but it might be helpful. Um, As someone who struggles with math personally, it was something that I had to do in high school was to reach out to other teachers, get math tutors, reach out to people who I knew could help um, because um, it it might also be a, a lesson in interpersonal relationships that everyone might not see your potential or everyone might not see your effort or recognize your effort. And so how can we still navigate a relationship with someone who doesn't see the best in us? And that might be getting that validation support outside of that classroom. Um, I think only relying on that teacher would be a limiting experience, not only for um, you them as a parent, but also them as a student. And so thinking about what are some of the other options that might be available, um, whether it's, um, like I said, support groups or Uh, groups in in school. And uh, additionally, hopefully that could be um, whether it's like an after school study or anything along those lines could also be indicative to that teacher that they are trying and that your daughter is someone who's um, obviously impacted by this and really wants to do well.
0: Yeah. And not everybody, I mean, we know, we all know this, but, you know, not everybody in life that you come across is going to be someone that you work really well with and that is 100% supportive of you. And seventh grade is like really early to have to learn that lesson. But, you know, is, you know, is supporting, supporting your kid to, you know, to recognize that. And to like you said, like look for the people who do want to help you and then, and then, you know, get that support there and and learn the skills and strategies that go beyond even just the content of the class. You know, advocating for yourself and um, <clears throat> and recognizing that there are differences in people and how they approach and all that. So, yeah, ooh, life is hard, beautiful and hard. One last tidbit:
1: I think that if you can really celebrate not only successes, but also um, those little moments of triumph, like when that light bulb does go off, even if it's on like one singular problem on a math homework sheet, um, having moments to not just shower them with praise, but to be like, oh, did you just get it? How does that feel? And having them kind of like celebrating and validating themselves. And like, you know, maybe do a little victory dance about it, like really bringing silliness and joy to those little moments of triumph um, can kind of counteract the negative feedback that they may be getting when they aren't picking it up.
2: Yeah. And even to like you, I love that idea. And I also like the idea of like, this is a I I don't remember if it was this show that we talked about on the last one, but like the praising of effort is, Mm. I think, really important. um, Because it's, if you're not getting praised at school, and this is already a challenging subject, even if mom is checking in to say, like, how do you feel about your effort? Do you feel like you tried? Do you feel like you did well? Because that also kind of takes away the link of my grades define um, how well I do or how who, how good I am or who I am. Um, and so having them to say, you know, my teacher might not have recognized the effort, but I appreciate that my mom recognized that I was trying, or um, hopefully my friends recognized that I was trying. And so I, I love that idea of having dance parties and um, celebrating in that, those ways, because one question right can make a big difference.
0: Oh, huge. Uh, that's a great positive way to end. Thank you so much for joining us. Carl did pop out so he could go support his client. But thank you, Marissa and Ariella and Carl for coming on. We we uh we got deep. We got deep. And that was It was great. I love it so much. Thank you so much. And listeners, I hope you enjoyed this and let me know if you want us to do more. I can bring more coaches on and uh, we can tackle more of this uh, tough stuff. So, all right. Thank you so much. And that's our show for today. Thanks so much for taking time out of your day to listen. If you haven't attended our webinars and want to watch the recordings, check out the show notes or go to the resources section at beyondbooksmart.com where you can find links to them all. You can put faces to the voices that you heard today. Please share this episode with anyone who might find it useful. We're super grateful to everyone who has already shared Focus Forward because word of mouth is what keeps us alive. If you have any questions or topic suggestions for me, you can reach out at podcast at beyondbooksmart.com. You can subscribe to Focus Forward on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. And also sign up for our newsletter at beyondbooksmart.com slash podcast. And we'll let you know when new episodes drop and we will share information related to the topic. And as I said in the beginning, if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, could you give us a rating? We'll love you for it. Our talented editor and producer is Sean Potts. Our savvy content marketer is Justice Abbott. And an extra special thanks to our coaches, Marissa, Ariella, and Carl, for joining me on Focus Forward. Thank you so much for listening, and I wish you all a healthy and happy new year.